God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this second Sunday of Easter. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Well, where shall we walk with Jesus today? It's still Easter, but the places of the passion are behind us. For 40 days, using Matthew's gospel, we walked with Jesus to Jerusalem, where all these things would take place. Then we walked to Bethany, a little town of Bethany, where Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead and show people what he would do for himself and for people. From Bethany, we walked to the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven and was arrested. We walked with him down the Kidron Valley, back up to the walls of the city, straight into the high priest's courtyard where Jesus was imprisoned. Then we walked to Pontius Pilate's judgment hall where the verdict was given, crucify him. During Holy Week, we took a step back in time a little and walked with Jesus to Bethpage, another little town near Jerusalem where Jesus got on the donkey and rode triumphantly into the city. From there, we went to the upper room where he had his last meal with his disciples and instituted his supper for us to partake in for the forgiveness of sin. Then it was to Golgotha where he bled and died for us on the cross. And on that blessed Easter morning, we were there at the tomb when it was discovered empty. Jesus had risen. And remember, Jesus went to all these places for you and me. He went to these places to forgive you your sin. So where do we go with Jesus today? Well, if we were to stick with Matthew's account of things, we'd go right from the tomb to Galilee. But we'll we'll save Galilee for another Sunday. There's more that happened in Jerusalem. We have to go to John's gospel to walk with Jesus to the locked room. When Jesus enters a town or a room, things happen. Gifts are given to the sinner. The apostles are in a locked room for fear of the Jews. Fear again. Yeah, fear during Easter. Easter Sunday began with fear because of the appearance of the angel and the empty tomb. Where had they taken Jesus? It was fear that everything had been lost. Now there's fear again after the resurrection. But it's a different kind of fear this time, fear of other people, fear of the Jews. Now, when John says the Jews, he doesn't mean the entire Jewish people. He means those particular Jews who are out to get them. The high priest and his scribes, his men, who were on the prowl for any of these Jesus followers because he wanted to kick them out of the synagogue and most likely out of Jerusalem completely. Now, where is this locked room? Where is this room? We don't know, really. I don't remember seeing it in Jerusalem, and it doesn't seem Christians built a huge church on top of it to commemorate the site. It seems the location of this room has been lost to time. And perhaps that's because of the fact that it was so secret. 
And that means that no one was able to say generations that went on, there's the place over there. That's where it happened. We don't know. We don't know whose house it was. And we don't know where it was exactly. But why bother to try and find the original locked room when the law of God locks us under fear? God's law, His commandments, accuses the old Adam in us of all the things we do contrary to God and locks us in fear. Fear of punishment, fear of condemnation, or just plain old not measuring up. You know, I'm disappointing God and such. I'm a disappointment to God when all these other people in the church seem to be able to rise above it all and do good. I can't put the bottle down. I can't stop screwing around on my spouse. I can't stop yelling at my kids. I can't stop talking bad about my coworker. I can't stop stealing from my employer. I can't stop hating people who aren't like me. I can't stop trying to control the world. The sinful flesh, the old Adam, controls the room. And the doors are locked. The wages of sin is death. Everlasting, tormenting, separated from God eternally kind of death. Enter Jesus. Don't mind the fact that he didn't knock first, waiting for you to decide whether you're going to open the door or not. You know, we shouldn't speculate how Jesus entered the room then with his disciples when he visited them, or now when he enters people's hearts. He is in the flesh, he's human, and he is at the same time true God. So he has control over the creation. He can make things happen that we cannot see. As the Athanasian Creed has us confess, he is both God and man by the assumption of the humanity into God. <laughs> That's mind-blowing, enough as it is. When Jesus enters the room, when his word is spoken, the room that was once locked and ordered toward fear is now ordered toward the forgiveness of sin. There's, there's, a, there's gifts in all this. The gift of peace. And this isn't just a warm feeling you get knowing God loves you. There's more depth to it. This peace originates and flows from the verdict given from heaven by the Father to you. Not guilty on account of Jesus. Not only that, but when Jesus enters the room, he says directly to you, peace to you. My peace be with you. And he gives another gift, the Holy Spirit, who calls, gathers, enlightens, and keeps the whole Christian church on earth in his care and with Jesus in the one true faith in him. Christmas, 1989, I'm back from, uh, in the States after a, a two-year tour overseas, and I'm in Idaho, not too far from my sister and her family, and I'm thinking Christmas, Christmas is going to be great. I haven't had Christmas with my sister in years, and now that her kids are not babies anymore, everyone will open their two or three presents in an orderly fashion. Man, what was I thinking? You know, apparently I hadn't experienced a Christmas with young children since I was a kid. 
and forgotten what it was like. All I remember is my niece, about four years old, had gotten so many gifts that by the time she started unwrapping this big dollhouse in its box, she was just in gift overload, and she just flopped herself on top of the box and kind of rolled over it, <laughs> tumbled over this dollhouse box, not seeming to care what was in it. So many gifts. Yeah, let's be overloaded with God's gifts because there are more I haven't mentioned yet when Jesus enters the room. He gives the gift of forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness is a spoken and accomplished act and fact delivered into your ears and mine. We may resist it. We might not always believe it fully, but it doesn't change the fact that Christ forgives our sins completely. Every one of them is not counted against us. The sin is sent away. It is no more. Faith is a gift given in this room. Fear brought on by God's law will accuse us of not measuring up to God's standards and behavior uh, uh, and thought. And that's now replaced by the faith wrought by the gospel, which frees us from sin and negates the fear of condemnation. Do you fear you're going to be condemned by God? Yeah, you, you shouldn't. You shouldn't fear that unless you're a goat. You shouldn't. And, and, you know, and I keep going back to this. If you were a goat, you wouldn't be in fear of condemnation anyways because you wouldn't believe in God's punishment for sin and unbelief. Well, what if Jesus is looking for retribution then for what people did to him? Or what if he's looking to have revenge upon the world for the state that it's, for the condition that it's in? I remember a bumper sticker from when I was a kid that read, Jesus is coming back and boy, is he mad. But, you know, mad wasn't really the word on the, on the sticker, you know. I don't want to repeat crude language in the church. You know, God certainly has the power to inflict revenge upon the earth for how badly we've messed up as caretakers of each other and of this planet that he's made for us. But God came to this earth in the flesh for grace, not condemnation. He came into the room to speak forgiveness. He came bearing many gifts. Faith is one of these gifts, and faith receives more gifts from him. The apostles did not stay in this room because Jesus sent them out. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, he said. The gift of forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit and faith is sent forth into the world of sinners and much sin every day. God doesn't just keep these gifts in the locked room. He sends them out through the church, his people, you and me. The word of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection is proclaimed by the church. And sinners are gathered into the church and the church is built up on the good news that Jesus came to save and give life. And you know, I haven't even mentioned the gift of baptism yet. 
I will now. <laughs> Baptism, another gift. The Lord's Supper, another gift. The office of the keys, you know. Uh, the power from God to forgive others when you've sinned against them. And the power that God gives them to forgive you when you've sinned against them. Which thereby opens the doorway to heaven for you. What else? Well, how about the gift of the fellow Christian who carries your burdens while you carry theirs? Building each other up in Christ as we, more, as we move forward to the day when Christ returns to take us to heaven. So everything in the Christian church is ordered toward this goal that we daily receive the forgiveness of sins, probably even hourly maybe, by the minute. Where will we walk with Jesus next week? Well, after these things happened in Jerusalem, he headed down the road to Galilee where he told his, his disciples he would meet them, remember? And he, he even met a couple of them on the road. So that's the place of the resurrection for next time. Don't miss it. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.